0: Uh, Welcome Blake (laughs) Murphy Thanks for being here buddy Early in the morning Ah, Always fun to laugh Always fun to laugh This is the uh, West Coast back to back delirium I I've already tweeted something to this extent But It's shocking to me that I'm watching these games, given where I was at mentally with the Toronto Raptors a few years Yeah, and ago. having fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. My, my, I got, although you know who wasn't looking forward to it? Let me read some sour text oh. from my mom.
1: Your mom? And she's in the she, better time zone. This was... Yeah. Oh, no no, not no, 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 no. Oh, she's, she's, she's here.
0: She's, yeah, 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 she's in Ontario. She wrote me at 10, uh, 18 last night. These late night Raptors games are brutal, <laughs> mad. Like, the game hasn't mad. started yet. That's... Just so you know, that's about as mad as my mom is gonna get in a text ever. And then she made it to eleven twenty two, eleven twenty two. So I'm proud of my mom. But she wrote, "Kills me, but I can't stay awake." And then she wrote, "Tied." I think she meant tired. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> but the game—it was the a game one-point game, like twenty yeah, times. It was. I was gonna say, but when she texted me
1: that, it was a one-point game, and I was like, "Oh, she really can't even read the screen." But I, I have good news for your mom. Yeah. So Friday's game's game is a nine thirty game. Yes. Yeah. There was only one left this season later than nine o'clock. After that,
0: yeah, that's nice. I gotta tell you, I just for the Leafs, I completely bailed when they did their West Coast thing. What, that they was,
1: were playing AHL teams. Yeah, but
0: I well, they played the Kings, but they played it, the Sharks was, too. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, no, the Sharks is horrible, brutal. But I covered both those games actually you
1: know, uh, somehow. Yeah, this is so. This is where my dad, who is in Newfoundland, which is an hour and a half ahead, yeah. gets those as like midnight start times. So I'm like, why are you texting me? I'm always, the, the thing
0: is, I'm always torn when I talk about East Coast versus West Coast because I think for the most of the ye- most of the year, we are dominating. I love having late night sports. I'm not a good sleeper, though, and I yeah. like working late, so it totally works for my schedule. I, I love it when I get to look and for forever just be like, ooh, uh, Golden State. All right, Golden State, Memphis. Yeah. When I lived o'clock. in
1: Vancouver, the, like... The you got to get home by 4 o'clock yeah, for a lot of the that. games is yeah. tough. I even grew up like on the West Coast. You can't do what you and I'll do, and surely a lot of people do with their friends too, which is like, hey, we're just going to have some beers, order some food, and like yeah. we'll watch the Raptors game and then roll that yes. right into the night game, and we'll just be chilling, drinking, but you can when do it's that. work.
0: But when it's work, it yeah. sucks. When it's work and you're waiting and it's 10.30 tip-off or 10.30 puck drop is even worse because when it's 10.30 puck drop and they start singing the anthems, that's when I get very unpatriotic and I'm, hmm, this is... This is kind of divided. We don't need these anymore. We don't need these anthems <laughs> this anymore. This is political. <laughs> yeah, this is too political. We gotta get rid of these things. I'm I'm done with anthems.
1: Also starting lineup introductions, yeah. too political, too, too Let's political. Just start the game. Go
0: early. Why why can't we just beat the 1030? Just 1029. Who's gonna miss the first couple? This is
1: the this is the most insightful thing about doing TV sometimes now is I'll get sent the like rundown. So like tomorrow's game is a nine thirty start, and sometime early tomorrow yeah. in the day I'll know the actual tip-off time because I'll be on like the run sheets for the oh, pregame. Yeah. Stuff and it'll say like 937 tip off or something Why don't we just list that yeah baseball Does it like the Jays are always like 707
0: So I have a lot of Raptors things for you today yeah
1: You don't want to keep Complaining about time zones no I think This is
0: yeah this we've hit the limit yeah We hit the limit of people listening this going You guys just gonna complain about the time (laughs) (laughs) How time works Yeah it sucks it stinks I hate it
1: the passage of time Getting older all that stuff
0: I don't like saying we're back to moral victories. If you didn't see Alex Wong's tweet yesterday, it was perfect. It was since the new Raptors, they're undefeated. They're, oh yeah, they've got three <laughs> wins, two controversial, uh, they, I don't two controversies and one moral victory, and that was yesterday, right? The Raptors yeah. don't have Siakam, well, Pertle. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it's like, I'm
1: like eh, I want to miss you a little. It's bit It's relevant more. when you're down to ten players and Garrett Temple's playing. Sure, that you just don't have bodies. But
0: you know what I thought of more when Garrett Temple was playing, not Pertle. It was more. It'd be nice if the first-round pick could play in the NBA. It'd be really nice if the lottery pick that they took ahead of, you know, Jordan Hawkins and Jaime Hawkins and uh, who else was on All the
1: Hawks. Hawkins. Yeah, the Hawkins. Hawkins. Hawkins, And who's... Kobe Bufkin. I mean, Uh, he's been hurt most of the year, but he's been tremendous in the G League. Yeah.
0: It's It's not... a lot of guys. Yeah. The guy who... uh, The Golden State guy whose name I'm always afraid to say, Podzemski. Oh, yeah. Podzemski. Yeah, Yeah, because I I just... Every time I read it, I go...
1: I can't read that name. Well, it also, the, they're not doing you any favors by it's pronounced Pajemsky, yeah. but everyone calls him Pods for short. Yeah. So the short form pronunciation is different than the long yeah, form. Yeah, it's not fair. Give it's, yourself it's, some grace. It's not here, fair.
0: J. It's not fair that I'm held to different standards yeah. than the other people that just get to call him Pods. That's a lot easier. That's a lot, a lot, a lot easier. So Raptors missing a couple of players last night. They pull out this gutsy effort. I'm. I'm not surprised that they're far more interesting. I knew that they would be as soon as the trade happened. I, I knew that they were going to have more shooting with quickly. He was going to represent someone that could shoot off the bounce, shoot a pull up. And it's something that frankly, they they didn't have anymore. Raptors just didn't have a guy who could create off the bounce behind the perimeter. That was going to be great. I knew that RJ Barrett was going to come here and work his ass off on both ends of the floor. Everybody here that follows basketball is familiar enough with RJ Barrett's game that they knew exactly what he was going to provide. And he's done extremely well, but are you surprised at all at how fun it's been? Like, what is your, what's your read on that? Because I'm enjoying it, and I can't tell how much of it is just, oh, right, we watched such bad basketball for such a long time. god, the that, for a lack of a better word, like the, the kids say the vibes were so bad with that basketball team that just something fresh is making this great what I'm saying is we're in the honeymoon period with mm-hmm. this team, clearly, right, but how much of it do you think is actually oh crap, this this basketball team might eventually be good despite being eight games below 500 and starting so far behind the eight ball versus how much of it is oh god we're just so grateful to be watching something different than what we had been
1: seeing for the last couple of seasons so i think it's more the first part of that which is that you can actually you know i I, I, I don't i'm not willing to declare them they're good again already. But I think what is clear, and this this plays into the vibes and how enjoyable they are to watch, but the path to them being good is now a lot more clear. Mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about OG, but adding two offensive pieces to a team that was so starved for offense, it really is like getting an oxygen mask on after watching this team slog through the half-court offense for 35 games is there are you're going from like you went from you've got to have two of Pascal Scotty, and Dennis Schroeder on the floor at all times otherwise mm-hmm. no lineup can create or dribble enough or get a shot off. to now you've got those three and RJ and quickly and you usually have three of them on the floor so you went from we're desperate to have two to eh, even if you mess up the rotations you probably got three of them out there like how much easier it is for this offense to breathe is huge. Um, We didn't see this last night because Pascal didn't play, but um, you see in some of these games that like, hey, yeah, Pascal and Scotty have been playing through a ton of double teams and traps and things like that, and nobody could take advantage of it before. And now RJ and Emmanuel quickly are very well suited to, you know, RJ's had a ton of buckets where ball swings to the second side and he immediately like before the ball's in his hands, he's taken off against the slow closeout or a late rotation or something like that or quickly goes right into a pick and roll with someone on the other side and, you You know, all these principles they tried to install about the the high post play, the DHOs, the swinging side to side. No, they weren't. First of all, they weren't particularly good at creating the initial advantage, but they had no one to take advantage of that little advantage you created. And now you have got you have more pieces on the floor that can kind of flow through that offense and and take advantage of of what Scotty and Pascal are are creating initially. Um, So I think a lot of it is just like really bad offensive basketball is hard to watch. And they, they've been a really bad half-court offensive team for a couple years now. So I think that's a big component of it. But also, like, you see, you know, the, uh, as far as them being better, like, yes, they've absolutely played better. But more importantly, you see a path to them being even better now in a way that, again, I love OG, but mm-hmm. the – Uh, Half-court offense was not going to get better with the pieces that they had there. The defense had fallen despite OG's individual defense. Like, there is just a more clear path now. In addition to they got younger as well by turning OG into two guys who are a couple years younger than him. So, um, yeah, they're better. But I think this is much – like, I think the energy and, like, how much people are enjoying it is much more about, like, yeah, you can see what they're trying to do and where it could go now.
0: Dude, OG and Anobi, I think, is plus 111. That's, uh, pro- that's off the top of my head. I think it's plus 111 with the New York Knicks. Have they lost yet? No. They haven't lost. If you had to say who was the most popular Raptor before the OG trade, would you say it would have gone? Like, if we were polling every single Raptor fan, it probably would have gone still Scotty 1, right? I think so.
1: And, but o- OG would have been 2 ahead of Siakam. Um, I mean, that one might depend on the person. Just because OG not playing in the championship run, I think probably cost yeah, maybe. him some. He's my number one. But I think he's in every single Raptor fan's top three yeah. is the thing that won't be true for other people. But,
0: but not just that, too, is Siakam has had moments, and not to... A- get too far down this rabbit hole, but Siakam's had some controversial moments, right? Like he's been benched by the Raptors before he's had horrible late game closing stats. He's been bad in the clutch. He had a season where he was the guy and then he couldn't finish at all. And that made him polarizing once the fan base, right? It actually reminds me a little bit of DeRozan where Everybody loved DeMar DeRozan, but when he left here, he became almost like a a Christ-like figure where people went, we had to sacrifice him for the greater good. Everyone loved DeMar. I went to basketball games. I would go to Raptors games as a fan. I can't remember ever sitting in the stands and not hearing people go, oh, DeMar when he would go cold from the floor. Immediately, he would spark angry discussions. I, I feel as though Siakam is that, whereas OG benefits from being a little quieter, benefits from not having the pressure of being the top scorer on the team, being a defensive ace, which
1: is something harder... There's also the element, too, of, like, with Pascal and Scotty right now, part of the conversation is the timeline, right? Sure. Where, like, they're seven years apart, whereas OG, you know, fits, right? Like, he was 26. He knocks down threes. Like, he, OG fits anywhere. So he, there's That's no it. one that can be like, well, OG doesn't fit the Scotty s- system if they wanted to go that route. The
0: point I'm is, trying to illustrate here is simply that. He's extremely
1: for, for, popular and no one is really upset. About not a single person
0: could be. Yeah. I can't imagine right now moping about OG and Anobi. Imagine being someone who DM'd you. The OG stat going, ooh, this! I knew this was going to be bad. You can't do
1: it. No, it gets tweeted at me, but it's entirely from a win-win perspective yeah, just, of like, oh, so happy for OG. And like, it's going to continue. It's early the, days. the Knicks are going to be annoying in the yeah. playoffs. They're it's, going to be tougher to to knock out. So we're going to get to see playoff OG. It's early days, but yeah. I,
0: I think that this really does knock down a couple things for me. I'm sorry, but offense in the NBA, especially this era, is way more important than defense. And two is, it's a sport where chemistry will always matter so much. Okay, and just, just fit. Yeah, it ju- it just it chemistry, team chemistry, and fit over purely. Hey, this guy in a box is supposed to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. I'm sorry, we, we're we're seeing that now, and the the stats back it up. And some of these go back. Before OG left The Raptors had been trending in the right direction before this even happened. It was just a little quieter because people Well one was Siakam's shooting regression went from I'm the worst shooter in the NBA to I'm really really good all of a sudden So a lot of it has to do with that. He's your your main usage percentage player. So that's gonna be a lot of it, but um, I gotta you know, you're my stats guy, right? But I think my favorite stats Twitter cat, because you do more than just stats, right? You're yeah.
1: Saying, also, yeah. I don't... Yeah. yeah you're just, okay. I'm, I'm right? a
0: stats guy. I'm not just okay. a stats oh, well, guy. Well, I don't know if yeah. she's just a stats She's not. girl, But uh, Kirtika Uthaya Kumar. Yeah. Keeks, as, as, ever, guys, as everyone calls her. I don't know her, so yeah. I can't do you, Keeks. You can't drop a... I got to yeah. do full name yeah. every time. I, it's like pods. <laughs> it's yeah, pods. I can't Keeks. do pods. Maybe she and I, at some point, <laughs> will be friends, and I, I hope so. But she tweeted... Yesterday, a couple a couple bangers. One, the Raptors have scored at least one hundred and fifteen points in ten straight games, longest in franchise history. Wow! Could you imagine saying that to someone? Again, context matters here, where we've got what is it, seven of the ten best offenses in NBA history. Yeah, so, the,
1: the Pacers have scored one hundred and fifty yeah. points like
0: once a week. <laughs> I'm a sports better. I, I still laugh. It's it's a little. Giggly treat for me. Every single time I go to look at NBA totals in Pacers games and they are set, the total is set at 264 points. How many
1: times have we seen the headline this year? Like Pacers set new all-time record Mm -hmm. for over-under.
0: Yeah, exactly. But um, she also tweeted, Raptors have only been down by 10 or more twice in their last six games. Which is incredible, considering that was one of the Raptors' staple moves was to go down by more than double digits often so, at the very beginning of basketball games,
1: so the, and that's one that I had been tracking and I tweeted yeah. out a, a bunch of times and had I had uh, our pals at Sports Radar pull yeah. the data for us at one point because it was just like so extreme, and the Raptors were it was something like seventy five percent of their games they'd gotten down double digits, and most of those had happened in the first half. Mm-hmm. So for them to, I know that this seems like really lowering the bar to be like, well, they're not falling down by 10 anymore. But it does tell you that they're a lot more competitive um, like night to night. Like even these last couple of games, like like the Clippers and Lakers losses and the Kings loss were losses, yep. but they weren't the like we're down 25 and we're going to fake comeback. And it. it was like, mm-hmm. no, we hung around. We didn't pull it out. And I think that that is a better brand of loss and means you're closer to winning than, oh, well, when they put Amir coffee in the game as the as the lead shot creator because Kawhi and Paul George were sitting down, we went on a run kind yep. of thing. So
0: two more Kirthika stats. Okay. Keep them coming. Two more. This one, I think, is a little overrated because, again, it's a sample size thing and it's just it, – it is what – but the Raptors are third in the NBA in offensive rating over the last 10 games. Okay. Again, yep. you have to remember where we were at. Yep. Where these, if We were watching rock fights. Do you guys remember the Miami Heat game we were watching earlier this Dude, year? At
1: the 20-game mark, roughly the 20-game mark, we did like a 20-game check-in on the Raptors show with Alex yeah. and Will. And at that point, the Raptors' half-court offense, the last yeah. time a team had scored that poorly in the half-court was the process 76ers. Mm-hmm. And now they're like downright respectable in the half-court.
0: This is my favorite one. Longest streaks of 25. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Or more assists in the last 30 seasons. This is the best one. This one, this one makes, I I like the Grinch. My heart is growing multiple (laughs) sizes. Call a doctor. Longest streaks of 25 or more assists in the last 30 seasons. Warriors in 2018, 19, 26 games. Warriors in 2016, 17, 22 games. Warriors in 22, 23, 21 games. Again, this is a historically great ball movement team. And then the Raptors this season at 21 games. Incredible. This is what I'm saying about the team chemistry. That This is where, okay, I think we've been pretty critical of Darko Ryakovich. Yeah, right? this is where I wanted to go with this with this one. Everyone has been, man, Darko, I don't know. I've had, I would say if I had to release all my group chat thoughts about Darko Ryakovich, I people wouldn't be pleased. <laughs> people would be pretty upset. And I said yesterday was kind of his moment where he broke through to Raptors fans, but it was... Him relating to the insecurities of the fan base, which is everybody's against us. We're mm-hmm. alone. We're the only Canadian franchise. Everybody's, uh, you know, no one is rooting for us. The refs are against us. The media is against Could us. Could somebody
1: and, please vote yeah, for Scotty.
0: Exactly. Scotty's the face of him. He, he just, he, he nailed the Raptors fan yeah. book. Uh, what, what do you call it in wrestling? Cheap pop. It was cheap pop almost. Cheap right? yeah. yeah, Cheap yeah. that's what that was. But the ball movement thing and now adding guys like R.J. Barrett who love to move the ball. Quickly who loves to move the ball a guy who just sees the floor both of them in transition to the Raptors are already a good transition team But both of these guys their playmaking in transition is gorgeous They'd
1: gotten back up to second in transition offense before the trade yeah. and like last night They pushed well in transition last night. They really didn't finish well They missed Pascal yeah. in transition a lot, but man, you're right Like like RJ is one of the best transition attackers in the league He had and-
0: one against the Lakers that I will
1: uh, Austin Reeves So this is what I was say. Yeah. his like laser focus on as soon as a defensive rebound comes down or a turnover gets made, he finds the worst defensive player on the other team mm-hmm. and is next to him in an instant. He, you do not have a choice but to put your worst defender on RJ Barrett in transition because he'll find him. It's really fun. I I think that these
0: guys now, having the youth movement of these players, the type of players that they targeted in this trade who are just perfect, right? Like they've... Th- this love is the quickly thing. so much. I know, but this, the thing that... Masai really nailed about this trade, what makes it such a perfect fit for the Raptors, is even though Quickly is going to get paid a ton of money, right? I talked about it with Jake Fisher yesterday. The, the, what do you the, guess, about twenty five million a year? Yeah, and it might end up being a little over that because these were Knicks estimates. That it, to put it into context, the Knicks wanted to pay him seven less million dollars per season than Quickly wanted. And again, this was a, a, a different fit, right? This isn't, oh, the Raptors took on somebody that, no, their salary structure, the way they looked at it was... You're kind of our six man backup point guard. We can't afford to pay you this given where we want to be able to go and the, the salaries we need to keep open looking for a co-pilot for Jalen Brunson. Because that's the next goal is they're trying to make themselves available if Joel Embiid yeah. becomes uh, someone who Donovan wants out.
1: Donovan Mitchell. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a mistake for them, but, but either way. we've
1: heard it a bunch of times. That's,
0: that's the point that they're trying to make. This isn't about Emmanuel quickly. This was never about that. It was just purely fit in the fact that he was going to be blocked and buried and all that different stuff. Kind of in a way similar to the OG thing where you would have loved to try to give him more opportunity, but you just couldn't do it. The Raptors went and got a guy who has clearly the demeanor of wanting to prove that he belongs as a starting point guard in the NBA.
1: Dude, it was the first thing he said to us on New Year's Day. So we had that god-awful early shoot-around on New Mm -hmm. Year's Day. And, like, the first thing quickly said was, like... Yeah, I want to show I can pass more. Like, New York used me as a scoring guard. I've got yep. more creativity. I've got more ability to make my teammates better. And, like, he was always a guy who you looked at the turnover numbers, and you were like, he never turns the ball over. Like, he's obviously mm-hmm. got more passing than Like, that's usually a good indicator for a guard that you can expand your passing. And he just, like does not turn like he's like over a six to one assist to turnover since since what's he got here.
0: What else is great about him is that this market is so used to undersized point guards that he doesn't even look small to me. No, he's six, two, <laughs> yeah, six, three. No, Cause they like, keep going. Monster, he's so small. He's so small. We're guard. used to Fred family and Kyle Lowry. even a, Dennis
1: is, is undersized.
0: I, it's true. But I just, it's so funny because it gets brought up every single time yeah. with quickly. They go, well, he's really small. And they, the Knicks didn't want to have this tiny backcourt. Nice. And I'm going, he's a giant compared to what yeah. the Raptors fans are used to. I, I don't even view him as small at all a guy who gets to the free throw line a guy who uh can hit those those threes that I'm talking about off the dribble or you go under a screen he can pull up on you he can uh, anyway the a guy who is completely bought in when he first came here I was worried because he was such a nick he was such a just man this guy loves MSG he loves New York he loves those fans I wonder if he's going to be sour about coming to a, a Raptors team that really doesn't have a rudder right now, and where he's not gonna have the chance to be an alpha because it's gonna be Scotty Barnes, and maybe Scotty Barnes is holding all these guys. All of a sudden, those three, there's zero feeling of me like, oh, Barnes isn't getting enough right now, or oh, RJ's not getting enough right now, or quickly's not gonna have enough. I love the way these three players mesh together, but I love the attitudes that they all approach Mm -hmm. this with. Like, RJ really wants to be a star in Canada, but he's an unselfish player. You had
1: a point on New Year's Day out of that press conference that I'm talking about where RJ said something, I can't remember the exact quote, but you quote retweeted and you were like, I think that an underrated part of this is like the cultural element of bringing RJ who really wants to be here, puts on for Canada, and is like like, legendarily hard worker. Yeah, And him and Quickly are also like, buds. See, I didn't
0: so, know that part of the dynamic, though, until you started watching them on the floor together yeah. and you go, wow, these two players, they, they play off of each other so well.
1: Yeah, because like they would not only are they really good friends off the court after yeah. spending four years together, like quickly said, like first day, RJ was like his guy when, when quickly got drafted. And that's joined. the thing
0: about RJ is yeah. that he is that guy.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing is on court, the Knicks rotation pattern, not just this year, but last year as well was RJ's the first guy off. And then he comes back in with those quickly bench units. So they have played a ton of basketball together, yeah. even though RJ started and quickly came off the bench.
0: Anyway, this is just getting into gushy yeah. territory where all we're really doing is gushing about how much we love it. But that, I think that's fine because that's how a lot yeah, of people look Yeah, look, If RJ's gonna game.
1: shoot 54% on threes forever, I, I'll gush about him every yeah, day. I yeah, don't but
0: care. not also, I have been killing this team for two years. Yeah. This is so refreshing to me. Part of the reason why I wasn't doing as much Raptors talk is because I said, what else do you want me to say? I've been saying for two years they need to break this team up and that this could not continue. And I hated the offseason. I hated last year's trade deadline. I hated watching so many of these Raptors games. For the first time since, God, I I started working here, I think, I was turning Raptors games off before they were finished, saying, I I really don't need to watch this anymore. I'm not learning anything from this. I don't need to watch them play the Charlotte Hornets backups and and end up coming back and beating them. Uh, and and try to say, oh well, you know what? Maybe if you squint, this this thing can actually work out. No, L- look I was at what over they it. did to JT Thor defensively. <laughs> so so let me have my gush uh, yeah. show, but I also have one negative thing to say. Sorry,
1: I have one one more thing on the assist streak that, okay. that Keeks tweeted about. So I I do think with respect to Darko, <laughs> yeah. Um, Earlier in the year, like look, the the new offensive system, the new principles were not leading yeah. to good offense. They had they were near the league lead in passes. They were near the league lead in assists, but their offense was was really poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought Alex Wong was going to lose his mind about at one point about potential assists. Like, did you get the assist? No. no I know. Oh, then I was, it yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. Um, but you see now, process wise, why you know, and, and I understood this intellectually at the time, it was just really hard to watch of like building those habits and building that system with the idea of, yeah, well, eventually you'll have better offensive players. And there's, you know, this is related to the Darko quote about like, well, what do you want me to do? Steph Curry. We don't have Steph Curry on the bench Mm -hmm. to start. Like his hands were tied a little bit. And I, I don't mean this to say Darko's now coach of the year or anything, but since this trade, certainly attitude wise with the ref stuff, but even tactically rotation wise tweak and adjustment wise, we're seeing that Darko is able to do more than he was when like Malachi Flynn was his seventh man.
0: So I think he deserves a ton of credit for yeah. this recent stretch. I've way, I've uh, become way more interested in Darko as a head coach. I'm glad you closed the loop on that. Last night when they played Kawhi, do you know Kawhi seven and against the refs? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, tough stats since he left. He's <laughs> since you've been gone. 7-0. That's <laughs> just a...
1: And what, it's not a 7-0. What do you want 0. to say?
0: Armin's looking at me. He's
1: like, I was just going to say,
2: okay, he has some regular season wins. Good for him. haven't seen him pass the second round.
0: Yeah, okay. That's fair. And I, But, I, okay, to that point, though, I do think that this is the scariest Kawhi team, oh, which is yeah. shocking because I thought when they made the Harden trade, I had Syrod on, and she was uh, she was actually pro this trade. She she thought this trade was good. She went, you know, people are kind of hating on this because they hate on Harden. And I I was outright mocking her, going, I'll call you in a few weeks and we'll talk about this. And at first it was horrific, right? They couldn't get a win. I think they started a six. Yeah yeah, 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 it was bad. Now they just they're they're spooky, man. They're they're a really good basketball team. They have team. so much shooting. They're they're deep. They're they're balanced. Kawhi looks like I, I my theory about Kawhi. Is God, we're doing a lot of tangent stuff in this one. My theory about Kawhi is that he he just, like, from that Raptors 2019 run, he was never right, and he was doing the load management thing, and now he finally load managed his way into another Kawhi is all right season, and then the Clippers are going to go in the playoffs, and something's going to happen to him, but he's going to dog it through the playoffs the same way that he did with the Raptors. I think it's – I, I t- Armin and I were talking about this last night over text. I think that the West – we're doing this whole thing like, oh, there's so much parody, and oh, could Oklahoma City come It's like, Oklahoma City is too young. They're not going to go to the NBA Finals this year. I'm sorry. Shea had the quote about, see you at the NBA Finals. I love Shay. I want to see him get to an NBA Finals. I'm torn because it is with the Thunder, but... And you want and it, your stars
1: to have that attitude. I know, maybe. but it,
0: but it ain't happening this year. Like they're too inexperienced. There's no move that they're going to make that's going to make this thing work. And I said, LeBron didn't win until he was 27. People need to remember stuff like that when it comes to perspective. They,
1: they have something like 44 career playoff games yeah. on the team, and half no. of them are Davis Bertans yeah. and Isaiah Joe. A- ain't, yeah, ain't happening.
0: There's two teams in the West that are going to win this year: Denver and, and the Clippers. And the Clippers. That's it. That's the end of the list. We don't need to go any further with this. Minnesota is going to be one of the tougher outs. I could see Minnesota upsetting one of those two teams. I don't think Minnesota is going to make it to the finals anyway. Well, that's That's a January take, but I I really do believe Kawhi is locked in. But the point I was trying to make here with all those side tangents is last night was the first time that I watched Kawhi and I didn't feel like, oh, my God, I miss you so much. What would have happened if we would have because the Raptors finally have a direction you can when you finally have a direction and you finally have something that you believe in for your team, you can move on. This is it. It's it's the the best way to get over somebody
1: is to get under somebody. Dude. It's every rom-com ever. You run into your ex yeah. with their new fiancé or whatever, and you have and to grab some person to pretend they're your fiancé. I fiance. was happy
0: for him. I said, Kawhi, good for you with your team. I won't be rooting for you in the Denver series. I'll be rooting for Jamal Murray. I'll be rooting for Nikolai Jokic. But it's, uh, it's okay because I'm so enamored by RJ Barrett and quickly. And I like Scotty Barnes so much more since this trade, too. I got to say, like, Scotty Barnes looks like – Hey, he knows that this is his team now, which leads me to the next thing. And we'll take a quick break and then we'll do this on the other side. My feeling actually is that since this trade, despite the Raptors being better, that it's even more conclusive that they need to move on from Pascal. We'll discuss next. All right. So we did our gushing times. Now it's time to do a little less popular portion of the show. And this starts with this. Raptors didn't have Pascal Siakam last night. If they had him, they probably would have beat the Clippers. I think they do. Which is, again, one of the best teams in the NBA. Somebody that said a finals team. I was also trolling Armin yesterday saying the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a team that really believes that they are title contenders. I have no doubt in my mind that if the Raptors played them full strength in a seven-game series, they would they would whoop that ass. Who's that, the ref, though? Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. You'll, if it's Armin and Ben Taylor, it's yeah, the same thing. By the
1: way, for, for off air, you'll never believe who I was texting about Ben Taylor after that game.
0: Oh, I'm curious. <laughs> I can't wait. Why well, don't say that? To, we just came out of a break. We yeah, uh, have ample time to do this. Yeah. Anyway, um... I'm watching the game last night, and there were moments where I I, I really did miss Pascal. Right? I would I would have loved to see him on the floor. I would have liked to see the Raptors win that basketball game. But they really
1: I, struggled to score down the stretch once the Clippers locked in defensively, yeah, and that's did. where another guy to create an advantage would have been really helpful.
0: The same reasons that it's difficult to trade Siakam right now are the same reasons that the Raptors should not be resigning him, and it's the same thing that we've been talking about for a long time. But now it's just even more obvious: is Pascal Siakam's 29 years old? He's he's he doesn't fit the timeline anymore. And if you're talking about a guy who if we're saying the whole hey just resign him, bring it back, keep kicking it down the line. I just think it's going to be more awkward and more difficult at some point for the, these guys to The
1: relationship phrase more the yeah. value of and I hate talking about players like this, but like the value Why? decreases like as he goes into his third like it's not the same trade chip. Forever.
0: You hate talking about players this way? It's the best part about sports is talking about fake trades.
1: Oh, I Uh, just mean that, like, the specific, like, re-sign him with the idea of trading him later. We got to stop with this.
0: We got to stop with this whole re-sign with the idea of trading later. Because, okay, I, I saw, I read Matt Moore's piece yesterday right? I just talked to Jake Fisher. There is a growing belief that the Raptors are going to be less likely to trade Siakam, but that growing belief is based in it's Masai Ujiri. He doesn't like to compromise on trades and he's more willing to just roll and say, I'll kick this down the line. I'll figure this out later, but here's how I feel. I don't think it's fair to Siakam, but Siakam at some point in his camp have to sit down and have a realistic conversation and go, you know what? No one's offering us the max contract or the near-max contract. And there's no way to be playing ourselves into this. And this is kind of the fear I have when it comes to... And I don't want to overstate this fear. I don't think that Siakam's game is one where he's just going to be so ball-dominant or he's going to start... churning out Russell Westbrook performances, trying to chase a max deal or convince a team that he's worth a max deal. I think it's already set in stone. I don't think there's anything he can do that's going to change the way teams feel about him. Because again, he's a super athletic player that's going to be going into his thirties. I'm not sure any team wants to give him a max contract, not exactly seeing how he fits with their team or having a long runway with their team and given the parameters of who he has been as a player. Right? So, so that's there. Masai wants players back for him, and other organizations don't seem to be willing to part with their 1A high end
1: Keegan Murray, Jalen Johnson
0: types. Exactly. My God. There's no Jalen Johnson. Did I Did
1: he was did you catch any of that game last I night? I would
0: I was I was gonna say something that was gonna get me fired. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say there, there's not a long list of things I wouldn't do to get Jalen Johnson on the Raptors in a Pascal Siakam trade. If that was ever on the table, and I, yeah, anyway,
1: um, I've never heard that it was, but like that yeah, was no. the guy in the offseason when the conversations come up. I was like, oh, they be missed nice. it. Yeah, they if, missed if, the window. If they ever had the, window. if they
0: ever had the, well, if they he did. Keegan Murray,
1: I think there was a window and it's gone now. Like, I'm not saying for the Raptors specifically. I just, I don't know that the Kings were as high on him until, like, he took maybe the biggest jump defensively in basketball this year and a jump as a shooter.
0: Here's the thing I would do. This is going to be so unpopular. I would do the Kings trade. I would take Herter. I would take Barnes' contract. I would take Davion Mitchell. And I would, as long as it comes with a bunch of draft picks, I was talking about this again with fisher where it's tough with draft picks right because you don't know what they're going to end up being you don't know how they're going to translate you don't know what years they're going to be in the raptors don't care about this year's draft that's why they made the yaka portal trade they already looked at it and said yeah we're good all right yeah maybe we could end up as a team that picks in lottery we we don't feel as though we're going to be missing too much here if you can get picks in next year's draft or the following year's draft just owning sacramento king's future first round picks I think is going to have some value given the track record and the history of that organization despite having Siakam, despite having Sabonis and despite having De'Aaron Fox, who I, I'm a big, big fan of. Just like that idea. Just like the idea of that. I don't think you're going to get materially better for it. I don't think it would be better to flip Siakam for DeJounte Murray. I I don't. I think that that makes your backcourt again a little complicated. All of a sudden you have your own Trey Young, DeJounte Murray thing with who you just brought in and quickly. But to me, it's... I don't want to have the whose team is this thing anymore. I want to let Scotty Barnes flourish. I want this to officially be purely his basketball team. I want this to be quickly. You can take a step. RJ Barrett, you're kind of the third guy. The new guys coming in, bring in a bunch of pieces, get a bunch of draft picks, and then try to accumulate assets so that you can be the new quote-unquote thunder that's sitting and waiting in the the, uh, wings. You wait in the wings? Yeah. You can wait wherever you want, but yeah, that's, I
1: guess, that's typically
0: where you people wait. In wait in the wings? Yeah. And pounce when you see a player become available in a trade that you think will fit with those three guys or whoever else you deem to be a part of that future core, whether it's Grady Dick, whether uh, Herder ends up hitting with you, whether Davion Mitchell, who I think is actually a... Uh, like it's still a decent asset to be grabbing as a player and a guy who can come in there. He's
1: he's like old for his prospect level experience level, but that guy can defend like crazy.
0: I like having a change of pace back essentially where you go, Hey, bring this guy in, let him defend for a little while. He's still a competent basketball player. Like you bring those three guys in, all of a sudden the Raptors are a very, very deep team. I think that a lot of those pieces fit around Scotty Barnes. Now you have a bunch of shooting around Scotty Barnes. Herter can play. And I, I think again, devalued asset. I don't mind that trade as much as people did. When it looks like Raptors trade Harrison Barnes for, for Pascal Siakam, it looks horrific. Depending on the draft capital, I, I think that's going to be the best the Raptors could
1: end up actually doing, and I kind of hope that's where it goes. So here's my understanding, and this isn't from the mouth of the Raptors directly. This is from talking to people around the league and trying mm-hmm. to piece together what they want to do. Is They are less worried about how many assets they get than they are what is the best asset we get in a trade yeah. and that's why the manual quickly deal made sense to them, right? Like there's the, the Zach Lowe comment of, of he heard league sources, at least one league source call RJ a toxic asset. Yeah. Even if it, like, I don't believe that that is not the sense I got canvassing the league. It was more of like, it's neutral. Like you're paying the freight on RJ. So he better be good. Um, which obviously has been, but like, that was fine because quickly is the headline item in that. And I think that that's why, at least for now, and this is the other thing with all of, and, and this was kind of Jake Fisher's point on your show yesterday, is like, it's January 11th. We got four mm-hmm. weeks of posturing left. Why would you put your best offer on the table? Why would you, if you're the Raptors, say that's enough? Mm-hmm. Wait a little bit here. See if anyone gets desperate. If that Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell deal is on the table, guess what? Even if the Kings got frustrated in the in the trade talks, it'll be on the table February 8th. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Now, I, and
0: I like that. By the way, I should say, to make this point clear, I don't think that the Raptors should rush the Siakam thing. I think that they should actually be using the time that they have and see how this thing materializes. The point I'm making is, if at the end no of the idea. day, that's the best offer you have, then I would I would take that trade. And I, I'm i sorry, I'm really not a Kaminga guy. I, I think the Warriors will probably re-engage those talks with Siakam or for Siakam now that Steph Curry has taken a public position of we need to make a trade. We get, we. You guys better do something. I'm Steph Curry. This is very out of character for me to yeah. be stumping publicly for something different. It's
1: not usually a squeaky wheel.
0: No. But, and Siakam, to me, represents the the smoothest fit for the Golden State Warriors. He's I'll, a better idea than Mitchell for them, right? So
1: I'll say this with the Warriors frameworks. If it's Chris Paul's expiring contract that, that you're then going to buy out and he's going to go sign with someone else once he's healthy. Which I think you do. That... Like, you can just look at the prospects. If you're talking about a framework where you have to take on Andrew Wiggins' salary, uh-huh. I need so many more assets back. So, like, if you're talking about you think Kaminga would be enough if he's attached to Chris Paul, yeah. if you're attaching it to Andrew Wiggins instead of Chris Paul, I need Moses Moody, too, and I probably need a pick. Like, Andrew Wiggins has a bigger contract than R.J. Barrett yeah. remaining. He's older and significantly worse.
0: Here's the thing. I kind of feel like he'll he'll probably—actually, I don't know. Yeah, he'll probably end up opting into his player option when he's thirty-one. Maybe not. It depends on how things go, right? Wiggins? For Wiggins, yeah, he's picking
1: that option. I mean, if it's, it's thirty if it's million anything bucks. like this, yeah. like he'd have to have at this point to not pick that option up, he'd have to run back his championship season.
0: But that's that's it. Is beyond this season, he's making, he's got three more years on the books that it's going to be twenty-eight or twenty-six, twenty-eight, and thirty million dollars guaranteed. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. If you're the Warriors, I think you're trying to offer that up. But you're also torn between two things, which is if you're gonna be trading Moody and Kaminga and getting off of a bunch of bodies and you're trying to go for a championship run, I would think the Warriors would say, We actually want to keep Wiggins because he might end up having a, a playoff moment for us. Yeah. And that to us is more valuable yeah. than getting off the contract.
1: Where so then you split those prospects up into multiple deals, trying yeah, to get a couple guys.
0: But to me, if you're doing the Chris Paul if you're doing the Chris Paul for Siakam thing, I'm just not interested in Kaminga. I'm not – Moody's fine. He was, what, high school teammates with Scotty Barnes? Yeah, that's a That's a little bit of a plus, but I'm not overly concerned about that stuff. I don't care about the draft picks. To me, it's Pajemski, and they're not going to move him in they're Siakam. Not, and so
1: they, – They don't seem to like Moody as much as I do, but, like, again, like, yeah. Moody, if we're talking headline item in the trade, you know, that's – that's not going to move you a ton. Moody and Kaminga are both like super, they're the anti-David Mitchell, where are both very, very young. For the, like they were the two youngest players in their draft class, I think. So as third-year guys, they're, they're still really young. Um, but yeah, like I, I like Moody a lot, but as a headline item, I would understand why he doesn't That's m- it. move you. To me,
0: uh, maybe this is stupid because it's just the unknown versus the known, but I'd rather have an unprotected first-round pick from the Kings in 26, you know, than Kaminga.
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is with all, all of these is going to be the protections where it's like we kicked around some no, on the you show yesterday. You with, if
0: you're taking Harrison Barnes, Herter, and Davion Mitchell yeah. for Siakam, then I need an unprotected first-round pick.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's an interesting one because, like, obviously that trade is one where it's the Rudy Gay trade logic, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, and I don't mean to overdo this just because it's the Kings again, but it is kind of funny that it's the Kings again, mm-hmm. where you are turning one guy who... In, in Pascal's case, you really, really like and is the best player in the deal, no questions asked, but you're turning him into three guys who could be in your rotation next year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Harrison Barnes, maybe you'd consider more of a like, yeah, we're going to move him at No, some he's point. gone, yeah, he's still a decent player. So would your thinking with that one be that, yeah, you're ready to push for a, a playoff spot and a playoff series again as soon as next year? Like that. that's, yeah. w- with quickly RJ and Scotty Barnes in place, you can do that, right? Yeah, that's... And-
0: and the thing is, I've been I've been on record with this for a long time. What I really want to see is Scotty surrounded by more more shooting. Scotty Barnes has, he, first of all, he looks bigger and stronger since they've made this trade. <laughs> Genuinely,
1: he's, also, can I just say? Yeah. Sorry, I, I've gotten a lot of questions. I'm actually writing about this right when we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty only took ten field goal attempts last night. Mm-hmm. His usage rate has been down. All the other numbers that involve like passing and how much you're touching the ball and stuff like that—they all say he's still very very involved. Still, yeah. To me this looks like a that. guy who is very very good, knows he can get his and is making sure that RJ and Quickly are finding their spots and I just think this is his decrease in usage over these couple games is not a fit issue. It's a good teammate who likes passing issue and he can turn turn the, like the fourth quarter of the Lakers game he just turned the shooting volume back up because they needed it. Kevin, I think that this is fine.
0: Kevin Herder is only 25 years old. And last year, he was a 15-point-per-game guy that all Raptors fans went. Man, it sure would have been nice to be able to go get that guy. He was 40% from three. Yeah. His entire his entire career, including this season, ha- he's a 38% three-point yeah, shooter. I don't know
1: what has happened to his yeah, shot
0: that's this year. It. But... He's 33% this season. I-, I would believe that that thing is going to bounce back. That's just me. I- the- yeah. Based on the track record of this player... I think Herter is going to bounce back he, into one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. If he all of a also average
1: almost four assists a game one year. Exactly. Like, he, he's he can smart, be a good secondary. Player. Like, I, I really do think this is, a, and look, he was the number 19 pick and Grady was the number 13 pick, whatever. Like, it's kind of like the, the best case scenario for Grady Dix development, right? You become a 15, 16 point a game guy who hits a lot of threes and could be a secondary passer. I,
0: I just like the idea of putting more shooting around Barnes, having a team that all of a sudden is going to be able to floor quickly. I don't know if RJ Barrett's going to shoot 50% from three or 60%. What, what has he been since he came to the right? Has he missed a three? RJ? Yeah. 56. Yeah. It's like, he, I don't think he's missed a three. I don't think he's going to continue at this rate, but I just, I want more shooting around Scotty. And I think that that's going to be the ultimate formula for this team. Make it so that he can get to his spots with better, with more ease. Turn him into more of a playmaker. Make him mini Giannis slash LeBron. Okay. that If you want him to actually be the face of the league someday, Darko, that's going to be one of the paths in order to get there. I don't hate it. I don't hate that value for Siakam. But to me, again, it's more about avoiding the disaster of Siakam walking for nothing, which I I just – I don't think it's probable, but I'm not ruling it out.
1: I didn't think it was probable for Fred either because at the time it didn't look like the Rockets were going to – there was the James Harden question mark. There was the would he even go to a team that's so far away. Like the winds shift quickly and you don't really want to – Leave yourself exposed like that. Even if the bird rights to sign and trade as a worst case scenario is usually something, it's not always. And I don't know that you could do that uh, twice in a row, even if you're pretty happy with how things look on court right
0: now. That's it. I just, I think that the the risk is too great. I, I would rather take genuine real assets from a team like the Kings than go into the offseason and be in a disagreement with Pascal Siakam over what his worth is, what his role is going to be. That's the thing, man. If, if you're not going to be offering him the max, which he clearly wants, right? If he's going to feel slighted by the Raptors on the term and the money and the role, who's to say that he's not going to eventually look at it and say, you know what? There are other teams out there that do want me. They're going to pay me similar money. Maybe the tax situation is a little bit better. Maybe the fit is a little bit better. Maybe they're a little closer to winning. Maybe I'll be appreciated more. I'm just, I'm not, it's, it's, it's too much risk for me. Anyway, other negative thing. Um, Shouldn't I miss the center you paid twenty million dollars for and a first round pick for and not feel like, boy, the the reclamation project's big <laughs> that wears the t shirt to the pool? Is doing a pretty decent job of, and there were, I, I don't want to say this is good because there were moments yesterday where it's like it's clear his touch around the rim is not nowhere yeah, near. Yeah, I mean, look,
1: he played eighteen minutes, which is more than a G League call up should be playing, and they won his minutes. Like he wasn't, he didn't sink them. Which, if you were called up from the G League playing unexpected rotation minutes, you don't sink the minutes. Is is like what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do? And, and like I thought in the Kings game, he was really good. Um, I thought you know the last two nights he's been fine. Um, but yeah, you 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 should notice the Pirtle absence more. And I know that in the games that he's played since the trade, he looks like he makes more sense, right? Like he has more point guards working pick and roll with him and finding him hmm. on pocket passes and stuff like that. And the field goal percentage all year has always has been really high, even though you know there's the pass fumbling in the paint and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but like I I just I can't help every time the Pirtle conversation comes up, think back to our conversations after the trade last year, which was, yep. Makes on court sense. Doesn't make sense to give up a first and a couple seconds for it. And then my piece after the the re upping of him in the offseason, which was like, okay, well, his only pick and roll point guard left Mm -hmm. in Fred, you already gave up these assets and you paid like, like, was he getting four years, 79 million, 78 million from anyone else? I don't really know. So, I mean, that it's unfair to him. Like, it's happened. It's a sunk cost at this point, but it is like, even if he fits well, I'm just not going to agree with how you've got here.
0: That's it. I, it, it's just it's very clear to me at this point with him that they have they they lost that trade badly and they also lost the signing badly. Is he's just he's not he's not a twenty million dollar center and I don't care how many people tell me he's a top ten center or whatever the hell he's not he's, he's not he's not he's, a in top the, 10 he's probably
1: in the twenty to thirty yeah, range that's, which that's means it. yeah he's if he's starting you're you're probably fine with that but like.
0: If and you can th- replicate him with Thad Young and Jante Porter, I'm sorry. You didn't do very well. Yeah. And in like the and trade. he's
1: better than those guys, but sure. but how much? At, this is the thing, is like you look around the, the league at the center market and, and you know, it's not it shouldn't have cost you that. And I, I yes. feel bad because I, I mention it all the time and it's not Jakob's oh, fault he got the money. Yeah. But um Oof. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard one to reconcile with. And it also it's going to stand out as like you the move where like mm-hmm. you didn't love the path and some of the decisions up to that point. And you like everything since like you like the OG trade if, if they do a Siakam trade that you like and things like that. But it's going to be the one like that's just kind of stuck there uh, because you don't have that first. And it is a, a pretty big contract
0: before you go. You're the G League guy. You're always going on about the G League. And you, I, you I always see G tweets League. about the G League from you. And I go, I, and I have to restrain myself from applying to all of them and going with the same thing. Who cares?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, you, say, you say that, and then like Jonathan yeah. Porter gives you 18 minutes sure. and is like, yeah, suddenly you really, guy. I, got,
0: I actually got to tell you, this one is a, that's a real world example because you were doing a lot of Porter stuff.
1: Well, I had a big feature coming on him. so I know, I, I but just, that's it.
0: You were doing a lot of Porter stuff, and I went, enough's enough. Enough's enough with this, okay? Enough's enough. And now he's really contributing. But the Grady Dick thing, he, he misses yesterday's game because of an elbow contusion or something? Forearm
1: contusion. Yeah, he was a very late scratch. Like He warmed late up scratch, and got ready for the game and everything.
0: And- um, What are you hearing on this? Because you look at the G League numbers, and... I know you're aware of this, but if you're a Raptors fan, since he's been been in the G League, uh, the three-point numbers have not improved?
1: (laughs) No, not great. He shot well last game, but uh, generally he has not shot well.
0: Has not shot well. This Raptors team last night was playing Garrett Temple. And, you know, they they were on the road, and it was extenuating circumstances and all this different stuff, but this is pre- The Sacramento Kings trade that I'm talking about with it being three depth players. He
1: didn't play in that Pistons game.
0: Yeah. And he was there with them. So, what... What what is happening here?
1: So, there are a few things. Obviously, he just... Was not nearly... Like, they talked about him on draft night like he was going to come in and be a rotation guy day one. Like, if, if anyone retcons this of, like, he was always a long-term prospect... No, no he wasn't. They thought he was going to be in the rotation, at least on the fringes of the rotation.
0: I think part of the reason that they drafted him was that they were like, okay, we actually have yeah. a bona fide shooter that's going to be on the roster. I, we know I, we're going to have an over NBA skill the over-under
1: with Will and Alex for his G League games this year at nine and a half before mm-hmm. the season. He's already at 10 halfway yeah. through the season. Um, so this wasn't the plan. Obviously, the shot is not dropping... What happened to him at the NBA level? And he says it's not confidence-related. I don't know how it couldn't be confidence-related. It's the first time since you were like eight years old that your shot went away for an extended stretch, but starting to rush against NBA length and athleticism on closeouts, starting to you know hesitate and a pump fake into a, a drive that you travel on because you're rushing the, the attack of the closeout, things like that. What the Raptors have determined is that he needed a little bit of a, a reset in terms of, we got to get you up to an NBA level of strength and conditioning. And I don't mean that like he came in at a shape or anything like that, but like he's wiry, he's not very strong yet. That impacts your ability to fight, to get open off of off ball screens, to keep a strong base as you come around and catch the ball and stuff like that. It's not anything anyone wants to hear because he's not performing well. They Um, should
0: tell him that there's a huge uh, market for TikTok workouts.
1: Yeah. um, So that is kind of what they're trying to get back to here. Let's get him back to a level where physically he can hang. Um, I will say it. The numbers aren't great. Last game, he was really good. Uh, and he had another game coming good. out of the new year where
0: I'm not watching these. Years. And clips, you don't learn anything yeah. because all they do is selectively right. choose. Oh, here's Grady dribbling down to the baseline. He knocks one down. I'm like, yeah, all right. It's we'll the opposite
1: start. version of just looking at the three point percentage, right? Yeah. Where like, obviously, that's going to tell you the worst thing. The highlights going to tell you the best thing The truth is somewhere in between. He's not a good defender. He's not going to be a good defender right now. The three obviously has to drop for him to sniff the NBA. He's at least doing some things better and it's trending in the right direction. But I would not be comfortable with him in an NBA rotation right now. Mm. It's moving there, but it's not... I keep coming back to, I'm wish-casting this, but Corey Kispert from the from the Wizards was really bad as a rookie shooter yeah, as well, sure. yeah, coming from a, a similar spot where, like, uh, what was it, he was just outside the lottery, shot really poorly as a rookie, and eventually found his oh, way an athletic to...
0: athletic white guy that they knew was going to just be a shooter in the NBA. But yeah. Same, same comparison. i uh, hoping now,
1: he can be Kyle Korver. Yeah, now, <laughs> yeah, he, he shot it. 35% as a rookie, not, yeah. uh not like, 28% in the G League, mm-hmm. but um, that's where... Yeah, look, it's not there yet. This has been a disappointment. It's trending in the right direction, but that's not going to make anyone feel good about a lottery pick they expect to be in the rotation day one.
0: Well, I'll tell you this too is the the whole we want to get him up to NBA shape and NBA this and NBA. The
1: messaging wasn't great.
0: but But also that is to me – it's. I'm sorry. It's. It's cover for we like his game is tough because yeah the, he's he's in good enough shape to shoot a basketball. I'm sorry. It's also
1: it's just a weird thing where like yeah. the solution with every other player has been like let's get him in the G League, let's play him as many minutes as possible, let yeah. let's get him the reps. This is the first time I can ever remember the Raptors doing something like this. Like Bruno was in there playing yeah. 35 minutes every game, no matter how bad he was. Well, like,
0: I was. I was gonna say, do you think that who do you think is in better NBA shape right now, Porter or with his no knee ligaments or. Grady Dick, come on. And one guy just came from the G League and he's playing minutes, right? Yeah. So, so to me, this is the, – the longer he's in the G League, the the f- more concerned I get. Like the fact a, that they a, don't want to trust him to come up here and just say, hey, whatever. Because now it's sort of the perfect spot. Now it's, hey, come in off the bench and play here, a little bit of ball. Thing, knock down an open shot. That's it. No pressure. G-
1: Gary Trent or RJ or Dennis Schroeder, whoever, need yeah. to miss a game when they're back off the road. Javon Freeman-Liberty is getting that call, not Grady Dick. Oof. He's the next guy. I don't think, I don't think Grady's close to NBA minutes right now. And he, again, he's been better and it's trending in the right direction, but I don't think he gives you solid NBA minutes right now.
0: That's it's, it's a really overlooked story because of everything that's been going on with the Raptors, but it's hard. It's every once in a while you're reminded and you go, Right. The lottery part,
1: part, like look. I've always tweeted the G League results and injury news and stuff like that out. But yeah, there's a, there's a reason that it's uh it's they get more attention right now than they normally it's would just, because it's oof.
0: it's bizarre. It's just extremely difficult, especially when there's four guys that went pretty quickly behind him that the, are all. They having also massive just played impact. Kobe Bufkin twice yeah. in a
1: row, and Bufkin just destroyed them.
0: That's it. Is they've just there's there's too many guys that went right after Grady Dick who look awesome and Grady Dick is shooting sub-30% in the G League and not the next call-up for the Raptors, a team that, again, played Garrett Temple yesterday. And who was, was
1: the worst three-point shooting team in the league for a while. Yeah.
0: I'm concerned. This is this is far beyond just oh, don't worry, he's young to me. I'm sorry, it's bad.
1: I, I think honestly, like at this point, it's uh, whatever you do with Grady Dick this year is about getting him in a better spot for next year. Like I, I'm, he's going to play NBA minutes again this year because it's a long season and the G League season ends before the NBA season does. And if they're not, you know, in the mix for a playoff spot or something like that, he's going to get another chance. But like my eyes are on next year at this point. Like I, I don't see him being a, yeah. a positive contributor this season. Right, uh, And if he does, awesome. I'll, I'll happily right. eat that. It'll mean the threes are dropping.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of things to be super optimistic about, Samson <laughs> off his back, maybe, like I told you he was <laughs> would be. Uh, Luke Fox next. <sighs> I hate to say a totus, so, Ricky. Wait, no, Julian. Tricky who says it. But I told us so. I said that the Samsonov thing was looming. There was chatter in the streets. And lo and behold... Ilya Samsonov is back with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Whether he plays, though, I think is... still a little up in the air. I guess we're going to determine... What happens at the practices, how he feels around Stevens. Good for, I guess, John Tavares, gassing him up. Th- John Tavares is thrilled to see Samson off around the facilities again. jacked up to see the, uh, Luke Fox, probably equally jacked up to see Ilya Samsonov. You know, hey, can, uh, let, me, let me start with this. Let me start with this. Um, um, if you have to hide Ilya Samsonov from the media and you, have, and you go, uh, yeah, you guys could make this thing worse with questions, doesn't that sort of say where the goalie's still at? Yeah, I think it does.
3: I think it does, J.D., uh i have a little i gotta confess i have a little samson off fatigue i don't want i don't want to write any more stories about this obviously dude
0: I... no one wants to do this no <laughs> one wants to. they're they're making me do this luke I, I i said earlier this week on the show that i had been here like people were telling me that he was going to come back up that he was going to be the guy on the weekends and i went there's absolutely no way i already wrote his obit i wrote his obit my first show back i went hey you know he had a great uh he had a great tenure for the postseason yeah. it was a nice series against yeah. tampa wolf <laughs> always have those memories he stepped in for Matt Murray good for him he was great at home last year but it's time to move on and figure something else out and a couple starts of Dennis Hildeby won't kill him won't shatter his confidence I tried to remind people that Joe Wolfe's first start as a Maple Leaf was a disaster against the Winnipeg Jets and he was the same age essentially as Dennis Hildeby is and for whatever reason hildeby the six foot seven kid they're uh, terrified of playing him they want to believe that they can reclaim sanslov like what what why are they doing this
3: Well, I think it has a lot to do with Hildeby. I I think they really value this prospect, and Mm -hmm. I think Hildeby's camp wants him playing games, which is why he went back down to the Marlies, and they didn't want to be up with the NHL at all this year. They wanted a full development year. This is this kid's first time in playing on North American ice. He's only played on the big sheet prior to, to joining the Marlies, and yeah, he's been fine, but at some point, someone other than Martin Jones has to make a start. This is going to be a sixth consecutive start and he's done very well. And the Leafs defensively have played fantastic in front of him. The opponents, some of them have been softies lately. So that helps. Uh, so the starts haven't been overly taxing, but you just can't ride a 34 year old goalie for every game for another, what, two, three weeks, four weeks until Joseph
0: Wolfe's back.
3: Yeah, all uh, all I thought after
0: All-Star break earliest.
3: Yeah, yeah, earliest. Yeah. Um, so the organization, come on, they've, they've lost faith in Samsonov. They would love to make a trade, but the teams that have goalies, and there aren't many, uh, are asking for crazy prices. Mm-hmm. Brad Living only has so many assets to spend. He'd prefer to spend his trade deadline assets on a defenseman and not a goalie. Um, So they're just trying to bide time until Joseph Fole's is healthy. Um, And and I think I would be shocked if Samsonoff gets the start on the weekend in this back-to-back. Because you can't play Jones back-to-back and three and four nights. Because remember, they got a Tuesday night game in Edmonton against Connor McDavid and the Oilers are red hot right now. You're not going to roll Jones out for all three. So someone's got to start that Detroit game. And I think it's going to be Hildeby. I think this okay. is just a, a roster juggle where you get Hildeby one game with the Marlies and, and get him back up unless somehow Trillium can can pull a trade-off between now and then. But mm. not, I just don't see where that's
0: coming from. Okay. that Honestly, that makes more sense than the alternative because... I just don't know how optically you can explain to fans or anyone a loss to Detroit who's just right there behind you in the standings, right? Like they're, the Detroit Leafs gap is not major. You lose that game, and it's because Samsonov gives up six goals and you were too afraid to play Hildeby, right? You play Hildeby and he gives up six. You say, hey, that sucks. He's learning. You, what did you just say? It's you're, you're new to American ice. You're young. You're not supposed to be here. Hey, if this breaks you, I'm sorry. Uh, you were never going to be anybody. Like, if if one start changes your materially changes your career, it was never going to happen. But to put Samsonov in net on Sunday against the Red Wings and to lose, like, I, I just I don't I don't know how you explain that. I, I don't know how you justify it.
3: Yeah, and we've seen teams in the past rally around a kid. Sure. I mean, it does it doesn't always happen, but that that could be a selling point. You're tired off a back-to-back. I'm sure that Colorado game on Saturday night is going to be very taxing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a real team, a cup contender. So they're going to be tired and you're going to need some sort of motivational hook on, on that Sunday. And, and, you know, maybe, Hey, it's the red wings. They're in our division. But if you say we're putting Dennis Hill to be in before we want to, before we think he's ready, but let's rally around this kid that could be that could be a motivational thing pre-game and maybe the team even you know plays a little bit extra harder defensively. Mm. Uh, Detroit is quietly uh, I think they're top 8 in in goals per game. Like they mm. they're they're a threat. Um so, you know, if Sam wh- whoever is in net is going to be tested I I think on Sunday.
0: Sure, I just one when, when you get smoked by Columbus twice and I actually like Columbus now just because we've seen the Sharks and I'm going, well, Columbus way better than them. That's not comparable teams. But if you get smoked by Columbus twice, like Samsonov did, I feel like that was it. You know, you don't get more chances. Not this soon anyways, not without putting games together. What are they, what's your even read on what they've been doing? Because it's just, Hey, we're giving them a rest. We're keeping them away, but they're firing pucks on his pads and between practices. Like what, what, what is happening here with Samsonov? Yeah, not much. Uh, he basically
3: had a full week where he was in the gym. Uh-huh. He was work, working with the Marlies goalie coach and the development staff. I'm sure there was a lot of meetings about his uh, mental state and, and trying to get his, uh, you know, sorted out between his ears, like build his confidence up. Um, I think they just wanted uh, a him to have a break from the NHL grind like you're not traveling with the team, trying to get your game around, uh, your mind around, Hey, I might start this game or Hey, if Jones goes down, I'm, I'm going to be in action. Like just a break from, look, you're not even going to play at all. So just take it easy. Um, And then basically he got one practice in with the Marlies earlier this week. He practiced Mm -hmm. yesterday with the Leafs, but it's been a long time since he saw a game action since Mm -hmm. that Columbus game. And you know, there's been some disasters There's a Columbus disaster, but there was also the Buffalo disaster. Oh my
0: goodness. So, uh, Hey, when you're like 57th in goalie goals against average state percentage, a lot of disasters, that's not just built (laughs) on one or two disasters. That's a season of disasters. (laughs) Yeah. I, and I, I really feel for the guy. Of course we all do. We all do. We get it. He's a human being. And and when he's saying publicly to people, man, there's, I'm glad, they didn't let you vultures at him <laughs> you, know? you whor- I like that Sheldon Keefe said to you guys you're qua- what do you say you're good people you're quality people fine. you're fi- fine. fine oh you're just fine you're just fine people you're not the Philly guy who Torts went after you know you're not just that, you know, you're not that guy but you're fine you guys are fine people but no it's 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 awful no one wants this. No one wants to criticize Samsonov. What's to be said? Like, do you think there's one person on planet Earth right now that wants to see Samsonov in net and he gives up a goal and then you're sitting there as a fan or a commentator or something that that, that tries to bury him even deeper? You can't You can't go any lower. It sucks. That's why I'm glad to hear that this is just, you know, get Hill to be another game uh, and then try to get him in the net on the weekend because that makes far more sense than trying to put Samsonov out there. Like, imagine the first goal against him, you know? <laughs> just the, the feeling...
3: And at home, right? Yeah. Like, no, can't happen. Uh, now, uh, that, that's just my theory. It's like an educated guess. That's mm-hmm. what makes sense, sense to me. And, and just judging by how he framed it yesterday, I, I think this is about getting Hill to be, because he hasn't played a game in mm-hmm. a while. So I yeah. think it's like, before we throw you right into the NHL, let's warm you up with an AHL game. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Now, they could go in another direction, but I just think, yeah, it would, it would be throwing Sam Stop to the wolves. If they drew him in, you know, after no hardly any practice with actual shooters, yeah, like they're gonna have a morning skate today, but you know, and he'll be out there here sure. at at UBS Arena, but there's only gonna be a few guys, and it's a light skate, like it's not yeah. really warming him up for the Red Wings who are trying to make the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I would say the the one encouraging thing is the Leafs have only given up one five on five goal in their last five games. And granted these are, this has included two games against the sharks who are unquestionably the worst team in all of hockey so yeah there's a there's a little bit of context to this but yeah i i think that if you're the leafs you have something to build on around whoever the hell is in net on sunday against detroit but yeah you're right it absolutely cannot be uh it can't be martin jones in all these games like they just yeah they're, they're playing thursday they're playing saturday they play sunday then you're right they go into next week same thing Oilers flames. Another weekend with a Saturday, Sunday, somebody has got to suck it up. Somebody has got to play these games. Uh, okay. So good news on the nice front, right? It, he's not ruled out for the game. Correct. Okay.
3: Uh, yeah, it looked scary, right? Like when it you need really with two, two teammates to help you off the ice and practice, it's, it's, it's a fright. Uh, but then Austin Matthews went and checked on him, said he, it wasn't as bad as initially feared. And then selling Keefe said, Hey, he's coming on the trip. We're not ruling him out. So maybe we'll get to talk to him this morning and and see exactly what happened and and how he's feeling. But I mean, that great great sign, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that because all of a sudden, you know, uh, now this is this might be a little bit extreme because there's guys like oh, no, this Mantelli is where and, and some other other guys. But he's playing oh, on the Leafs no. Leafs top line. No, he mm-hmm. could hey he could be in the conversation with mm-hmm. Bedard out for so long. Um, I, I think his game has really come along yeah. like I I wondered if he would have hit um, what they call the rookie wall and, and start to tail off and there's been some games where you know he he's looked a little uh, a step behind or, or maybe his decision making isn't on point but he's been really impressive um, just little plays he makes his his work along the walls uh, I, I think he's you know for a, for a first year pro for a teenager I, I think he's been phenomenal.
0: I think he's been great and yeah. th- my thought was different though my thought was uh, and, and actually I read your piece and I went oh you know that's oh. he's probably a little higher than I would have thought about it because I hadn't thought about him in the Calder and also he's one of the guys that yeah got his debut last year and so he's still a rookie obviously but yeah I don't I, I don't think about him as one right I'm not wasn't spending the entire year going, oh yeah, the Leafs rookie Matthew Nye's even though, obviously, he's he's not even one of the weird rookies where it's a, a true cheat rookie. But, yeah, I hadn't thought too much about it. My thought was, boy, if he's out, <laughs> you know, if he's out, how are you replacing him? Because yeah. they've got, right now, Nick Robertson, healthy scratch looks like again tonight. Um, someone who... I said after last Leafs talk, he scores that goal, right? And it's because he had time and space. He ripped that shot, but he's never, he just hasn't been able to create space for himself. He hasn't been able to establish himself. He's had some games where he's clearly hustling and he's trying really hard to back check and make some plays in the D zone. But I would say now it's getting to the point where it's conclusive. It just, it ain't happening here for Nick Robertson. Um, Do you get the same sense? What, What do you think the near future is for this guy? Well, the near future is it, it
3: looks like the coach definitely prefers Pontus Holmberg in that role. Yep. Just because he's a bigger body, more responsible defensively, is more used to playing a defensive game, right? Robertson's kind of miscast. I think if this guy is going to really thrive mm. in, the, in the NHL, he needs to be top six. He needs to get regular power play time. I mean... His whole thing is his shot, right? That's his most dangerous weapon, and he's had trouble even getting onto the second power play unit, and even and even the second power play unit with this team hardly gets any time at all, anyway. Um, So I I think he's taken a step. Like he he definitely looks like an NHLer, whereas you know in past seasons where he's been up and down yo-yoing, you're you're not even sure he could be an -er, NHLer on another team. I, I just think in this team, it's it's been hard to find the right role for him. Shelby keep really wants that third line to be able to take some D zone draws, to be able to maybe take, take on the other teams top six when they're on the road and they don't have last change they, he wants a bit more defensive responsibility there. And I had a conversation with Nick, um, you know, after he had a couple of scratches in California, he's saying the, the thing, one of the challenges for him is in the NHL, there's a lot of like hard rims around the boards and as a winger, you have to handle that puck and get it to the centerman or get it out yourself. And the NHL mandate is to have the the defenseman along the wall pinch down and really go at you. And these are big defensemen, right? So that's one part of the game that's kind of the next step in his evolution. Like that's the challenge for him is dealing with the D zone play and getting those pucks out and taking care of it. And it's clear that, that Sheldon Keith has seen enough that, yeah he's improving but that's still an area we can't afford to have you know a a guy who's pretty inexperienced in the d zone uh and and quite frankly a a small body too right Mm -hmm. so right now Holmberg has more more trust in that area um but hey in injury creates opportunity maybe you know it's good for him that when he was in the lineup, yeah, it was against the Sharks, and yeah, he had time. But he does rip a goal. Like, that's good for his confidence. Mm-hmm. I
0: think he's an NHLer. I just don't know if he fits on this team. I I know he doesn't fit on this team. <laughs> <laughs> I know he doesn't because, like I say, when Knives went down, I thought, boy, if he has to play up in the top six or if they even look at that, I... I don't think that's going to go well for him. I wasn't feeling overly confident. And that's the best position that you can be in, right, is playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. I I just didn't – I had a bad feeling about it for Robertson. And, yeah, maybe he's an NHL or somewhere else. I do think that he's a fresh start candidate. He does need to just go somewhere where people maybe aren't as scrutinizing him as much and he doesn't have the track record or the expectation or whatever. But, yeah, I don't think it's happening here. But that brought me to the other thing, which is, okay, well, if Nyes is going down – or you do need some more depth on the wing because you're pressed into a situation where you're putting a, t- a tweener like a 4A player into your lineup, into your top line. Doesn't that make it obvious that the the guy that's now eligible to sign should be coming to your team? They flirted with Corey Perry in the past. Um, <laughs> what What's your read on the Corey Perry situation? Do you think that he would end up coming here or that there's even an interest?
3: Well, there might be interest in that Brad Living is known to check out every. Option every mm-hmm. opportunity explore everything, so and Corey Perry made it clear in in past um, off seasons as a free agent that he had interest in yeah. being a Maple Leaf. So like that's that's when Dubis decided to go for Wayne Simmons over Corey Perry. That was a a very a very real decision, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you I'm know, is there? It's, I know, I know, oh. um, but I, I just I, I wonder with how things ended if they want it invite a guy who may have some, well, people might have some preconceived notions of them now. And do they want to invite that? I don't know. I think, I think we're, we're going to see, but it is an interesting development because if he's going to get back in, it, it, it'll probably be within the next month or so. Like it, you know, he's got to get acclimatized to a team. You know, he he's chasing another cup. He would love, I, I, I would be,
0: I'm positive from his side that he'd like to join a contender like this one. Here's the thing. Um, if I'm him, there's no way in hell because just the the market is going to be vicious to a guy like Corey Perry out of the gate. But what I would say is, I knowing Corey Perry's game and his track record, that it would be, I would say to him if I was Brad Tree Living, hey man, it's going to be two weeks of hell. And you're going to have to deal with a lot of media and you're going to have to deal with a lot of you just pulling the same thing as Carter Goche right now going, I'm keeping yeah. it between me, my family, and my agent, right? Me, my family, and my agent, me, my family, and my agent. You're going to deal with some tough press clippings out of the gate, but that two weeks from now, you're going to be one of the biggest fan favorites in the city. And everybody's going to forget about this come that time. It's just, you, you just got to get through the first two weeks.
3: Yeah. And I've, I've seen, I've been in enough Corey Perry scrums that he's pretty savvy. He's That's pretty what I good mean. at he's pretty good at shutting things down quickly um, not giving you much if he doesn't want to and moving on. Like, I, I don't know. He, he's seen it all. Like, yeah. it, I, I think, and, you know, he's the kind of guy that embraces being the villain. I, I don't think he has thin skin. I, I, I'm not too worried about it from, you know, the evil media coming at Corey Perry. I think it's more about
0: does, do the Maple Leafs feel like this is a smart move, the they right should. move? They should, because it is. Like it, it, it is, it, it is. He's the, he's the exact kind of player that they need <laughs> flat out. Like it's, it's a perfect, perfect, perfect hockey fit. And if they don't do it, it's because of fear of PR flat out. Like, or he wants to be somewhere else. Cause if I'm him, I'm like, I'm going just back to Tampa. I'm going to go join Florida. You, can you imagine how awesome he'd be on the Panthers where you're like, Oh man, you got the dirt bag team. Just, you know, oh, cousins, yeah. and you got like, it just <laughs> would be amazing if the Panthers ended up signing him. So yeah. Uh, I hope the Leafs do it. I really do. Uh, Luke, thanks for making time today, brother. I know you got to run. All right. Take you, uh, Luke, Luke Fox, senior NHL writer for Sportsnet. Okay. Um, a couple things here. I've wanted Corey Perry to be on the Leafs for quite some time. I think that he is a really good fit for this organization when it comes to who he is on the ice. A player who gives it his all all the time. A guy who plays just with the perfect amount of, you know, dirty to his game. I've always been a Corey Perry fan. I just think he's one of the more underrated players, actually, that we've ever had. Just like going all the way back to junior. I've been a fan of this guy. Um, Cares deeply about the game. Is going to be in every scrum. Is going to be sticking up for teammates. His teammates love him. He has been loved by teammates. And if I'm him, I probably don't want to deal with the BS that comes with Toronto. I don't. Like, I would say, "Mm, do I really want to have all my character come into question? Do I really want to have everybody talking about me every single day for two weeks? I don't know if he cares about this stuff. Flat out. I don't know. Maybe he has thick enough skin to deal with this stuff. Maybe he's able to go through this. The weird one is we still don't know what exactly he did. And we know it was bad enough for the Blackhawks to terminate the contract. But all right, he's not in prison and it hasn't gotten out something that is bad enough that there's been like a charge late or something. I just, I don't want to cancel Corey Perry over something I don't know about. And I don't want to be afraid of signing a good hockey player who clearly has a fit with this team because of what? Like what exactly? The Leafs are worried about welcoming in more drama. They just brought the goalie up that everybody... Knows can't play hockey anymore. This is that there's always going to be things to talk about. And that's it. The Corey Perry thing's not going to last a season for an entire season. If they really believe this is what I would say. If they really believe that he is now a bad guy or a bad teammate or a bad presence around the team or that you can't have him around the team. Fine. Okay. Make your evaluation that way. But if it's purely about well the optics and we don't want to add to the drama and we don't want to have more scrutiny, you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're already at max capacity at all times. You should never be fearing these things. You should never be shying away from this stuff. Um, and I also think, boy, it, the only the real you know what the toughest optic would be the toughest thing optically would be that Brad Tree living gave Ryan Reeves a three year contract to be this team's fourth line. The gritty presence player. And then they might end up getting the guy that Ryan Reeves tried to feud with in the middle of the year to replace him in that very role. Not the fighting one, but yeah, the, the, the team dirtbag role. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think the Leafs should be doing this. I hope the Leafs explore it. I hope that it becomes a reality. They clearly need more depth. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be a major injury away from having to play Nick Robertson in hockey games. Like, I'm sorry. He's just, he's not there. I, you shouldn't be playing, Pontus Holberg is just fine. He might be Mitch Marner's favorite player. He's, he's just fine. Um, you're going to need to add some depth to this team at some point. And if a guy that, you know, like again, Corey Perry, you can say he's a bad guy. You can say all this different stuff that you wanted. Like it didn't work out in Chicago. It was awful in Chicago, but he was brought in to be a steward in Chicago for a reason. Like he's had a lot of good track records with a lot of good teams and a lot of players in the past. I, I'm not, I'm not throwing the stones here. Um, NHL all-star it's coming here. It's coming to Toronto. We're going to be doing this for the rest of January. Okay. So lots of giveaways to be done. So try to get, try to get in. I would say, you know, live in the moment, try to be a part of these contests, but you've got a lot of time. So ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL all-star game this year, we will be giving away family four packs of tickets to the NHL fanfare coming to Toronto on February 1st, through the 4th just listen for the daily code word in episodes of this podcast the jd bunkers podcast till january 26th then text the code word to 590 590 for your chance to win today's code word is rogers our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode however tickets to the fanfare if you just want to go buy them they're available for purchase at nhl.com slash fanfare while supplies last. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, come back, and hit what we missed. Just one last thing before we do what we missed on Corey Perry. Again, he wasn't even reinstated. Batman didn't have to clear him because he was already okay to do it it was that he met with he met with Batman at cory perry's request cory perry wanted it my, my point is is that whatever cory perry did he's apologized for he's owned up to it he's addressed his behavior he wants to change it And I'm just, I'm a believer in second chances. This isn't somebody with 45 different things on the resume when we're talking about like, oh, who's a bad guy, right? Like, uh, uh, was it more controversial to bring in Evander Kane with the Oilers or was it more controversial to bring in Corey Perry? Like we just did, we got to have some context with this stuff. I just feel like people get so afraid of the internet backlash of something or they're like afraid to take a position on it, it. Like, why would you be, I don't understand the position of, judging Corey Perry when you still don't know what it was, but you do know that it's not something that is going to keep him from his job, but you would want to be the person without knowing that believes that he should be kept from that job. Maybe I'm straw manning this. It just feels weird to even feel like having the take of, no, the Leafs should absolutely go out for Corey Perry and think that there are people out there going, absolutely not because of who he is and the character and all this is different. It just, it makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't understand it. You you get cut from your team. They make the decision to move on. The league says you're still all right to play. You're still eligible to play. And you should be able to go make... You're going to make a living. He's going to play somewhere. Why not play for the Toronto Maple Leafs? He's going to want to be going to a contender. My guess is is that it's going to have to be a league minimum contract. Right? He's already making... I just don't... I don't think that he's going to have a lot of leverage to be able to sign for a bunch of money, even though it should be a bunch of teams going after him. But yeah, I I really do. I really think that this is, would be an awesome fit for the Leafs. You think that what, who do you think is going to get, give you a better shot at winning in the postseason? Do You think it's gonna be Bobby McMahon, Pontus Holmberg, Nick Robertson, Ryan Reeves, or Corey Perry. To me, it's a, Pretty obvious answer. Anyway, let's move on. What'd we miss? Can I ask you a quick follow-up? Sure.
2: I just wanted to, like, seeing as he was a villain here in Toronto, like, with the Leafs, you don't have, you don't think fans will have any quarrels about accepting for not knowing what happened? two
0: weeks. This is what I would say to all companies, people, whatever. Everyone that's afraid of internet blowback, it doesn't last. It feels heavy. It feels weighty to start. It feels like, oh, man, the world is crumbling around you. You're being accused of being this and that and this and that because the Internet has no, they don't hold anything back The people that are willing to criticize over nothing and not even sometimes over nothing. Sometimes it's over real stuff. They'll come after you, but you feel like, man, this will never go away. This is a stain. This lasts forever. The Internet is temporary, baby. The Internet forgets, and then they drag it up eight years later. You know, They forget forever, and then all of a sudden, eight years later, something pops up, and you go, look at this. Remember that? Remember Jimmy Kibble used to t- t- do blackface and go as calm alone? 25 years You know, that's that's how the internet works. So for all the companies that are afraid, all the people that are afraid, all the just it's two weeks. Yeah, it's two weeks. And and probably won't, guess what? Probably won't even be that. It's actually more like a few days. It's more like a few days. The risk you run is that if you really do believe that Corey Perry would be a repeat offender, right? That's the thing you can't forgive. It should never be, hey, are you giving someone a second chance? Hey, are you giving someone a chance to, to move on from a mistake in their past? It's you look really stupid if something else happens. If Corey Perry screws up here, then that's where the ax falls upon other people. That's where I understand people's assessment of these things and say, yep, okay, fair enough. You didn't want to take the risk because you felt as though you weren't willing to stake your reputation on another person. That part I get. But I don't understand the fear of blowback, let's just say. The blowback stuff I just think is cowardice. And I think that we do it way too much as a society in general. Um, I think people are way too afraid to speak out on things that they think are wrong. I think that people are way too afraid of standing up for someone in a low moment, even when it's uh, something that really shouldn't, you should be sticking up for somebody on. And all of this, a a lot of it happens anyways. A lot of it happens because of fear of blowback. And fear of, yeah, reprisal. So I would say that if that is the main concern, that it shouldn't be a concern at all. If it's a genuine character concern, if you don't feel as though his apology is genuine, you feel like it's a PR apology, you feel like he could come into your dressing room and cause dysfunction, hell, you feel like the hockey fit is not overly that. Maybe they, if they f- judge, you know what? No, we actually like Bobby McMahon more. We want Ryan Reeves more. Fine. Those are all genuine reasons. If it's, well, what will the internet say? Boy, you are out to lunch.
2: And the Blackhawks didn't have that leeway that the Leafs might have, giving them a chance. No, dude, no,
0: no, no, no. This was a team issue. That's why they ended up, like, that was his dismissal. And in terms of the villain thing, I'm telling you, dude, he's been a villain here. He's a guy people love to hate. He's a guy that people have pined to have. You think that there's who in Toronto of who, like, they just said that, Luke just said it, they had the opportunity to go Wayne Simmons or Corey Perry. One of those guys went to multiple Stanley Cups. The other guy, I'd like to know what everybody's favorite Wayne Simmons' memories were. Like, great guy. Had an awesome career. Legend. Scarborough represent. For sure. All those things. But as a Maple Leaf, like, it didn't work out. Corey Perry would have worked way better. He had way more left in the tank. And I still think that he has stuff left in the tank. And so... To me, it's you're only a villain until you start to provide for the hockey team. I I think the narrative around Corey Perry would shift almost immediately. First scrum, people would be loving him. Dude, Jason Spezza, again, different thing, but Jason Spezza was a Leaf killer. Killer. Played on Ottawa Senators teams that just buried the Leafs. The most hated rivalry that I've had in my lifetime was Sens and Leafs in the mid-early 2000s. And when Spezza came here, (laughs) he was a sympathetic figure immediately. And then fans adored him, adored Jason Spezza, a guy that we as Leaf fans made fun of his entire career with the Ottawa Senators. Nerd, bad laugh, her soft, Jason Spezza, overrated, Leaf killer. But just what are we talking about here? Think about guys. There's been way bigger Toronto villains that have ended up playing in the market and been totally fine. So I I really, I really don't buy like Kevin Kiermeyer came here. <laughs> Remember when he stole the the <laughs> the what the catcher card? He, he took a look, he peeked at it. Kevin Kiermeyer was on Tampa. We hated Tampa. Everybody hated Kevin Kiermeyer. Well, look at Kevin Kiermeyer now. He's in his car. I'm coming back, Jay's Nation! Really, yeah, Kevin
2: Kiermeyer!
0: Things change, baby. It's it's fine. Don't don't fear it. Anyways, what's next?
2: All right, a host of legendary football coaches are out as coaches of their teams. Let's start with Bill Belichick. This morning, Belichick and the Patriots decided to part ways after 24 seasons together and six Super Bowl championships. What's your honestly? Just what's your initial? Like you knew this was kind of coming,
0: but well, has everybody been kind of alluding to it? I even here's what I would say: even with everybody. Like once Jay Glazer said it, it felt like it was really going to happen. It's been, it's there's been a lot of reporting that Belichick was going to be done in New England. But even still, this is this is how I felt about it. So crazy for me to think about Belichick leaving. That even amidst all of those reports, I kept thinking they'll find a way to reconcile. And really, what are they going to do? And this is a cooler heads need to prevail situation because if you're the Patriots and you're Robert Kraft. I didn't think that they could trade him because one, I don't think that a team would trade a first round pick for Bill Belichick and if they weren't willing to do that, it's it's a it's an awful look for the franchise both ways. It's a bad look for Belichick, right? Yeah. You're 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 basically embarrassing the guy saying, "Wait, you're only going to give up a second round pick for the greatest coach of all time?" And if you're New England, even if you get a great asset back in a second round pick, it's super valuable in the NFL, which I again, I'm not even sure that they would have been able to acquire that. Let's say Belichick goes on to win somewhere else, then you as the Patriots go and they trade him for a second round pick. I think it would have been stupid optically to do that. Also, you're dragging it out, right? You got to move fast. If you're gonna go after Mike Vrabel, which I'm guessing that they're going to, or any of the most desirable head coaches, Ben Johnson, whatever, Mike McDonald, Harbaugh, all, any of these guys, you I don't I don't think they'll be in on Harbaugh, but yeah. Um, if you're gonna go in on any of these top tier coaches, You got to be ready to move. And that's the thing that people missed with the Titan stuff with Vrabel is you have to be ready. You can't be in the midst of, well, we're still trying to trade Mike Vrabel to an organization and trying to, it it just, it wasn't, it it wasn't smart in a year where there's this much volatility. Normal year, if it was super thin, I would have said, yeah, you should probably do that. This year where names are going to come off the board really quick and there's so many positions that need to be filled around, Football, like it, it's a lot of this, this is happening real, real quick. I would say that you want to have the flexibility over trying to drag things out and then try to pry a pick out of somewhere. Plus, I think it says something to the other head coaches too, that you're willing to not cost them an opportunity or not try to force their hand with an opportunity and that you're, you're a good organization to deal with to these other play, uh, to these other coaches. So Belichick, I think it was respectful to say, this was a mutual parting of the ways that he is going to not be dangled for a pick. I can't believe that it actually happened. I would have thought that he would return as the coach and that he would have someone else that was working with him more with the GM duties and that you would want to see Belichick with whoever the new quarterback is going to end up being, right? With the, the, three, the three pick, because you, you assume that that's what they're going to do is that they're going to stay in the three hole and they're going to draft probably Jaden Daniels. Although the draft is... Who knows what ends up actually happening? Maybe it's Drake May that ends up and that ends up with that three pick and Jaden Daniels like go jumps up. Who, uh, who knows? Either way, you got to figure that it's going to go one, two, three with quarterbacks in this year's draft. It's it's going to go one, two, three, and the Patriots going to take the third guy who's left over there. And I thought it would be Bill Belichick, and now I don't. And I will say this for anybody that's if you're a Patriots fan, you're going like, don't worry, Vrabel's going to come in here. He's going to do bully ball. I don't know if I would want Mike Vrabel as my coach with a brand new quarterback. All I'm saying is. Vrabel, without, I heard this yesterday, without A.J. Brown, Vrabel's offenses were never better than 27th in the NFL. So, great coach, love Vrabel, think he resonates with his players, think he's tough as hell, he's the follow-you-into-battle coach, but offensively, if you're going to hire him, you're going to need some kind of very, very strong-willed offensive coordinator with a good track record with quarterbacks if that's the direction you want to go with. But yeah, to me, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach hands down in any sport uh, in my lifetime. Like, it's, and it's not even particularly close. Like, I think that you're even seeing this stuff with Greg Popovich where I'm like, yeah, man, great basketball coach. I really respect Greg Popovich, right? But a lot of it's the talent that you have around you. You're a few years removed from doing the Jeremy Solhan plays point guard for my team. It's, you know, what's the wins above replacement on Popovich? Has he, has he developed somebody that has been incredible for the Spurs over the last couple of years? Like what, what is, what is pop? Who's pops great player that he's developed since the great Spurs teams? What, what have you done for me lately? People would point to the same thing with Belichick and they go, yo, Belichick with Brady. Brady was, I don't think Tom Brady becomes Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. I think that Bill Belichick's defenses still hold up to this day. I think that he was shutting teams down. All season long, he's bad at drafting, but I think schematically he can still—he's still among the best of them. Um, But to me, you have to have the Patriot way. You have to have for for a player to exist, especially a modern day player. You got to remember this is the thing. Belichick has lasted so long, so long that the the way that you can draft and treat players in the league is going to be completely different too, right? This is someone who, in the Super Bowl, just completely shut down Sean McVay at the peak of Sean McVay powers. Iced him out, iced him out, dominated him best coach ever, best coach ever. But for you to be a hard ass and have the Patriot way, I think you have to have the player that everyone wants to buy in behind. Mac Jones. Wasn't that guy? He was a bad pick just from the standpoint of he's a kind of a whiner, a complainer, Mac Mac Jones. I'm sorry, dude, you probably were dealt a tough hand with the offenses changing, but it was very unpatriot way quarterback for you to come out after one season when they switch up the offenses and then just try to bury the team for doing it hard to fall in behind the guy that's already questioning the coach. My belief is Belichick will go have success somewhere else. Wherever he ends up, they will have success. But if I'm him, I'm not sure I want to prioritize a spot where you don't know who the quarterback is, where you have to figure out who you're bringing in because I don't think Belichick has the ability to identify properly the same way anymore, especially with the modern day player. For me, if I'm him, I'm hoping that it's the Chargers and it's a guy like Justin Herbert, where you know what he's about, what he's like, personality-wise. And the book on Justin Herbert is that he is, remember when he was first drafted, it was, this guy's a loner, this guy's a weirdo, this guy's different because he's not participating in all the team. I think that that's what you kind of want if you're Belichick, is the guy who's just the the, the buy-in guy, the quiet guy. So I'm not sure that the Chargers are going to fork over the cash for him, but if I was him, that's that's what I would want to be doing is I, I would want to be going to the Chargers. I wouldn't want to be doing this Washington thing where they're going, don't worry, we'll get you Drake May and it'll be a slow... Nah, no, thank you. Uh, Falcons, I love that one. Falcons are interested in Belichick. Uh, they should be. They're the Falcons. He's not going there. He's not going to put the... The hoodie on of the choking bird. I hope not. Anyways, the weird. No, the Falcons. No way. That's well, been. That's beneath him.
2: Let's move on to your team because Pete mm-hmm. Carroll is out as head coach of the Seahawks, but mm-hmm. it's unclear if he'll remain uh, with the team in some capacity. Where do you think will happen with Pete uh, Carroll? He should Carroll?
0: remain with the team in some capacity if he doesn't get a coaching job somewhere else. Because the thing about Pete Carroll is, I do believe in the the cultural aspect of him. I think that he does get guys to buy in. I think he's great at gassing people up. He's Pete Carroll's the dude that in your office you definitely want to run into. It's like, how are you doing today? Hey, man, doing good. Uh, Hey, I've been noticing your work and it's been great. And you feel better about yourself. I think that's what Pete Carroll's amazing at. I really do. Seahawks, they only had one season where they went below 500. Pete Carroll has got them to win games. Problem is two things. If you were a Seahawks fan, you knew two things were true with Pete Carroll. The the program was going to be winning. He was going to call it the program. And now I'm calling the program. Uh, But that you were not going to be able to beat Sean McVay. Or Kyle Shanahan without Russell Wilson, they just they he was kept getting out coached by the top two dogs in the division. The defense stayed soft, soft coverages, rally and tackle. This old school stuff, they never really evolved from an offense or a defensive standpoint under Pete Carroll. It was always just his same thing, his same philosophies over and over and over again. And so while he's remained hip and young and cool and fresh in a lot of different ways, he was never able to actually apply that to the the football strategy standpoint. And for Seahawks fans, it grew to a point of frustration because it was so freaking predictable what was going to happen with Pete Carroll. You got to win playoff games. And they didn't do that. They, they lost, they choked away a Super Bowl in the most horrific fashion ever. That you could live with if you were getting back or you felt like you had a chance of getting back. But they never did. They never did. And so it got to a point where I felt bad yesterday because I'm watching Pete Carroll and I was getting sentimental because that's how these things work is when they're over, you regret it. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Same thing, you break up with a girl and you go two weeks later, you're like, why did I break up with her? She was perfect for me. And then you start talking to her again and you're like, nah, <laughs> Right. And that's how it would have felt. If Pete Carroll came back out of in two weeks in, I would have gone. No, man. No, 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 um, no. It was time. They had to move on. It was time. It was time. It was time. It was a great run. It was an awesome run, but it went three years too long. I think with Pete. He was good with quarterback development. It's probably something that he's underrated at, that Drew Locke came in, looked good, that Geno Smith was a reclamation project, looked good, that Russell Wilson was way better with the Hawks and then went to Denver and was completely lost and was never able to recapture any type of the greatness that he had. Um, that part, I hope that he's around the building for whatever quarterback they bring in because I want him to be gassing up whoever that is. But no, Seahawks need to change the direction. I'm excited for that change of direction. I hope my I'll tell you right now. My hope is that they get Ben Johnson, the Lions guy, steal the Lions guy, go after an offensive coach. I would, I'm not going to say I would hate it because I think this is the most likely outcome, but I think they're going to try to target Dan Quinn because there's familiarity and we have bad ownership in Seattle, but I don't want to see another defensive coach. I think that you should be going offensive coach period and then go get a snazzy defensive coordinator. So I would say. As for Seahawks fans, I'm rooting for Ben Johnson one. And then after that, I don't know, whatever. I kind of wouldn't mind Mike McDonald because it would piss my brother off so much as a Ravens fan that they stole the Ravens D coordinator that everybody's hot to trot for. But no, I like the track record of it and the last couple of years of Lions and what they do, the way they do it. I I think that would be awesome. I think you need a kind of guy like that to keep up with the Shanahans and the McVeighs. Uh, You can't can't be just trying to out defensively scheme them. Otherwise, you're just going to lose forever. So uh, go Hawks. What's
2: next? Nick Saban also retired after 17 seasons with Alabama in total. I can't believe he did it
0: with the the, in the same time as Belichick. Like these two guys are boys. I I just, here's what I would say. And this is the most shocking part of this to me. I get it from the Belichick standpoint, because I don't think he cares. I think he already knows I'm the greatest NFL coach of all time. I'm going to be, people are going to want to come after me, all this different stuff. But for Nick Saban, I always thought Nick Saban way more of an egomaniac that he would want the full day of just it's all about Nick Saban. That's the most shocking thing about this to me is the time of the announcement, because he and are Boys, yeah. he had to know this was happening.
2: Anyway. His record? 292 yeah. and 71.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. He's got more first-round picks in the NFL than he does have losses in college football, buddy.
2: Yeah. That is that is pretty nuts. So uh, do you think he'll coach again? By the way, he's seventy-two years old. No, no he's, he's, done, he's done. Yeah,
0: you don't you don't leave Alabama like you're not. Hey, I'm I'm leaving Alabama and I'm going somewhere else. And no, as he's done, which again is surprising. I hate it. I because I loved hating Nick Saban, and he was just a, a great character in college football. And also, this puts my guy Kalen DeBoer on the hot seat in Washington because he's clearly going to be a coaching candidate there. And this is a nightmare for me. Is I wanted to be the one who was happy with beating Alabama. I really thought U Dub would have beat them, and they like that was it. Is Michigan had their stumble; they were having their like little bit of choking moment. And had Alabama just found a way to beat them, I really think U Dub would have run up the score against Alabama and won a national championship. And no one would have said anything because it's Alabama, even though that team was not a good Alabama team. Anyway, yeah, I'm surprised. I I'm very surprised that he's walking away from football and. His meme will live on. Oh, many memes will live on. Many yeah. memes will live on. With
2: quit asking me about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> anyway, uh, congrats to all those coaches. They've all had like incredible careers. It's weird. It feels like it was like losing all the quarterbacks at once. Where all of a sudden it was like no Big Ben and no Philip Rivers and no Eli Manning and no Tom Brady and no. Uh, Peyton Manning and it feels the same way with the coaches. It's like no Pete Carroll, no Bill Belichick, and no Nick Saban potentially. Hopefully, Bill comes back. But yeah, I just it, it was a it was a shocking thing to to wake up to. Anyways, it's gonna be a ton more football tomorrow. I've got uh, Chris Berman and Jason McCourty both on the show, so we'll deep dive into Belichick with one of his former players, and we'll get into some Bills preview, of course, with the man who loves the Bills, Chris Berman. See you tomorrow.